Welcome to a healthy bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Hello friends, it's Rebecca here today and we are talking to author Gary Rogers and Gary is the author of the book Unlocking the Power of Fatherhood and I'm going to be honest and tell you that my husband read the book first and he said he didn't realize there was going to be a test so <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that there are questions people there are questions and honestly when I read it I was kind of glad there were questions and I could see this being a great um, study guide or a book club book is that how you had it intended uh, yes we are actually uh, we're actually working on some curriculum so people can have in small group settings to do that I've also put together a companion guide just kind of a precursor to the curriculum I if you go on the website and give us your email address we'll give you a free download of the companion guide okay so it's kind of laid out where you could kind of use it and do those kind of things okay nice well i appreciate you being with us today um can you tell us just a little bit about yourself before i really dig into the book well i'm intimately qualified to be an author when i was in second grade my second grade teacher almost did not pass me to the third grade because i couldn't spell my mother was taking me to reading tours because i couldn't read and I made A's in chemistry in college, but I made C's in English. <laughs> so uh, I'm not really an author. I'm not a really literary person, but I've lived some life. I had an extraordinary upbringing with an extraordinary dad. I've lived a lot of life, been some, through some good times, been through some hard times. So I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot along the way and just want to take an opportunity to share that with people who weren't as fortunate as I to have a good father. Your book addresses men, um, I guess primarily fathers, but you do make a note, and I was glad because I found your book very, very helpful in my own parenting journey, but you say that a lot of what you're writing in this book is also for women. And like you, I believe that as women, we do play an important role in the strengthening and bond making of the relationships in our family. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you talked about the strength of character in the woman in the first chapter of your book. Can you introduce us to her? Well, she was pretty amazing. That was my grandmother. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of young women talking about being a, a strong wom woman, and I applaud that but she was kind of the uh, type for a strong woman. <laughs> she is, would be, you, in today's world, you would, she, you would call her a very, very strong woman. She had, she had really good instincts about knowing what was coming. It was amazing. She was raised on a cotton farm in Texas during the late, she was right, born in the late 1800s and all of her, sisters worked in the house with their mom on the farm everybody had a job all the children's had a job that's why they had strong big families back then but everybody had a job and she did two things she she made everybody's clothes and she went to work in the field with her father in the cotton field so she chopped cotton she drove the cotton wagons she was grounded in what she believed i, I jokingly say that 
She wasn't always right, but she was never in doubt. She was grounded in what she believed, and she was usually right. She was like an anchor for me in my life as a young person. It was always uh, important to me what she thought of me because I knew she was dependable. And I learned early on the incredible value that not only a, a father has in his life, but a, a mother has. And a lot of that was from, from her. So she, she was an amazing woman. She really and was. as moms, um, I think a lot of times we want to glean as much information as we can from our grandmothers. So what do you think is the one big takeaway that your grandmother would want to share with, with moms? I, I think she would tell you to raise high standards for your children and put them in place and stick by them and enforce them with meat and force, but to do it in a, in a kind and respectful way. She was very respectful of people for who they were. She didn't always agree with them, but she was very respectful. And she was very much of a servant. I was raised in a small church on the Texas Gulf Coast. And every day, every Saturday afternoon, the florist, this is in the 1950s, okay, it's a little bit different time. But every Saturday afternoon, the florist would show up at the preacher's house with a a flower for him to boutonniere for him to put on the on his suit. Aww. He never knew who did that. He never knew who sent that to him. And she did it for 50 years probably. Your children need to know where you stand or they will not know where to stand. And it's a very, very dangerous place for children these today. And uh, the internet is not only there to help them make wrong choices, but the internet has helped them there to help bad people find out who they are. So they need to know where they stand and they need to know who they are. And that reassurance is, is, is in large degree the job of a mother. Yeah. You talk a little bit about your, uh, about bullying and cyberbullying in your, in your book. And um, that's something that I've experienced with my own kids and something that I've written a, a little bit about on my blog yeah, I think that moms do play a very important role and dads equally. And I think even better when we're a team. Skipping ahead, in one of your study sections, you said something that really, it's something that I think a lot of parents, friends that I've talked to that we struggle with, you said, um, when a child fails, a parent has an important decision to make. Throw them a lifeline or allow them to learn that actions have consequences. Wow, I mean, that's really hard for us parents. How, how do we figure it all out? How do we, it's so hard to implement watching your child walk through a natural consequence, let alone deciding, okay, is this the time I throw out the lifeline or is this the time I let them deal with the consequences? You know, that is a really good question. It is a judgment call and you're not always gonna make the right decision. It's what life is handing them proportionate to what they did. If life is unduly punishing a child because for what they did, it's time to step in and, and, and help. The, the second thing is, what's the goal? What is their purpose and where are they going? We're not, we're not really here, Rebecca, to make our children's lives comfortable. We're here to pre prepare them for their purpose. 
You know, as parents, we think that their life is what that time they spend with us. It is not. It is a very brief part in their time where we're preparing them to be out there without us. And if we throw them the lifeline or we prevent hard times, when they leave and we're not there to do that, they're not going to know what to do. So you got to let them, let them experience that. Um, just, just kind of a personal note, I, this idea of not keeping score <laughs> in athletic games. I walked in my grandson's soccer game a few months ago for the first time, and it's this big, big arena, four or five soccer fields, one scoreboard, they're not keeping score. And I walked up to my, my son, his, his father, I said, what's the deal, they're not keeping score? He goes, yeah, I know, he kind of shook his head. Devin comes off the court, and I said, Devin, what's the score? He said, we're winning 6-3, and I've scored three, three goals. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they know. You got, you, we have to let, we have to let our children fall and fail. Just like when they were learning to walk, we let them fall. We let them skin their knee. The problem is when the stakes get high. You know, when they're falling in the living room, it's one thing. The problem is when the stakes get high. And you may, let, you may need to let them sit and, and waller in that just a little bit and, and, and learn that those, your actions have consequences. Because the further you go in the life, the, 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 the stakes get higher and higher and higher. And if our children are not prepared, they're, they're going to suffer. So we need, that is the thought you've got to keep in mind. And you've got to weigh it. And it's not always easy. But I guarantee you, it's, it's in a, every one of us as parents to make that decision. Yes, it isn't easy. And um, so how you feel about, um, so there are natural consequences, but then there are also times when there really isn't a consequence, a natural consequence. How do you feel about parents creating consequences that, you know, say like for grades and stuff like that. I mean, do you think that that's a good substitute when there's a nat when there's not necessarily a natural consequence that you find suitable? Or, I mean, I guess is a natural consequence like uh, letting a child fail English, you know? I mean, is that a natural consequence? Or do you think setting up some constructive consequences so that they don't end up with this? Oh, I, I definitely agree with that the latter of setting up constructive consequences of you going, you raises and it's and not it grades as part of it, but it's behavior. It's how we treat other people setting up standards in your home. Right. And I think um, it starts out more with, um, creative consequences. And as they get older, it becomes more natural consequences because, you know, whenever your child, whenever you have a toddler, for example, a consequence for, you know, you're not going to let them touch fire to find out that, hey, the natural consequences, you get burned. Exactly. So I think a lot of us parents would, you know, you raise our voice or give them a little pat or something to really get their attention because we don't want them to touch that fire and get burned with a natural consequence. Absolutely. Then as they get older, I feel like, oh, sometimes maybe a teenager doesn't take their work to school and the natural consequences that their grade goes down to a, a D instead of a C. So I think it's kind of like you just, like you said before, you have to kind of phase in the natural consequences more as they sure. get older. Absolutely. But something else you said, it was the chapter transformation in the storm. <laughs> and you talk about victim versus sovereign. 
and you use the story about your trip to the hospital and what happened with you. And I wanted to talk to you more about this victim mentality. I see it a lot more in people now, I feel like in my late forties than I did in my twenties and thirties. And I don't know if it's because my eyes are open to it now, or if it's just, I was young and I didn't really see it back then. But can you explain a little bit about victim versus uh, sovereign? And also, um, victimization as it pertains to raising kids that are free from the bondage of that mindset. This, this concept arose, um, I think the best illustration is my father. My father uh, contracted polio when he was less than two years old. The doctor said we need to put braces on his, his right leg was totally paralyzed, Rebecca. He, if they would have let him put braces on their leg, on his legs, he never would have walked. He would have been someone that somebody had to have been taken care of the rest of his life. He would have been a victim. So my grandparents, being all of probably 24, 25 years old, just looked at the doctor and said, no, you're not. And, you know, you, I can imagine the doctors in the 1920s weren't used to being told no. And they really weren't used to being told no by two 20-year-old kids. But this is when that strength of them as a couple came together. And they said, no, you're not. And they said, no, what do you mean, no, we're not? And he said, well, you're not putting braces on his legs. He is going to walk. So they went home, and here's the basic decision they need to make. Are we going to say this child cannot walk because he has a crippled leg and give him his excuse to give up? Or are we going to, to make the decision he has one good leg and that will be enough? And that's the decision of victimization versus sovereignty. I am going to decide. I'm going to decide that I'm going to learn to walk with one leg. I am going to decide what my life is going to be. This applies to all realms of our society today. We need to decide what our, our life is. We cannot wait around for our entire lives, for society to get all this stuff right. We have got to overcome what comes at us. The, you know, consequences are going to come at us. You know, most of what comes at us, there's nothing we can do about. So am I going to decide to let that overcome me or I'm going to decide not to? And it's a binary choice. It's a choice all of us have in, in us. Now, if you visualize that little baby, you know how you women can do this thing with your hip and the baby just sits there and you can carry a baby for, no, guys can't do that. You know, two minutes, we're ready to give you back the baby, right? And how, how a baby will put its knees up around a mom, her mama or mm -hmm. his mom to kind of stay. But well, picture my grandmother, about five foot two, dark brown hair, pretty as she could be, has this baby in her arm his left leg's up around her and his right leg's dangling limply by his side. Now just think of that, that picture for just a little bit. Now fast forward about 18 years. He has learned to walk by just kind of slinging his hip, his leg with his, from the hip, locking his knee and stepping onto his right leg as a crutch. That's the way he walked. He walked with a limp. Now, fast forward 18 years, he's decided to go to work in a chemical plant. And he has to climb those tall distillation columns uh, in those chemical plants. And there's a ladder right on the bolted to the side. 
but that ladder isn't leading at an angle. That ladder is going straight up and your body wants to push you off. And it's 50, 75, 100 feet to the top of that ladder. And think of that little baby as he stood at the bottom of that ladder, now a young man, and he's decided he wants that job. And he looks up and he doesn't know he can go to the top of the ladder, but he it isn't going because he didn't try. That is the picture of how to overcome what life throws at you to be all that you can be. That ability is in all of us. Listen, it breaks my heart to hear what young people go through and kids have gone through. It breaks my heart. And I've heard a lot of stories in my life. We, we, my wife and I have helped people through their marriages and I've lived in the ghetto of New York City and I've seen a lot of stuff. But more importantly is what are you gonna do with it? Okay, this is what, this is what you faced with. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna give up and die? Or are you gonna make what you can? And that decision is the choice. When you decide that my circumstances are not going to dictate to me, that I'm going to dictate to them, you have chosen to be a sovereign and you will reign in your life. And I guarantee if you make that decision consistently, you will reign as a, as a, as, as a sovereign, just like a king of a country reigns over his country. You will reign as sovereign in your life and you will have all, you will accomplish all that you are meant to accomplish. I liked how you said that in your book that you you did reign as king over your life, but you still listened to your advisors. Absolutely. You made the choice that you were not going to be a victim laying in bed anymore, but you were still going to listen to the nurses when they told you what you were going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the key part of that story is when I made that decision, the pain went away. You know, I, I wasn't making progress until I made the decision. And I went to sleep one night and said, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. The pain, Rebecca, the physical, it changed what happened to me physically. Right? That, that's the point. Yeah, I do think that our perception of things can definitely alter how fast we recover and how affected we are by various illnesses I talk to a lot of people with chronic illness and I, I definitely agree that when we decide that we are not going to be a victim anymore, things do change for the better. I'm not saying that, you know, suddenly you didn't have to go through the six week recovery period or that people can just be, you know, completely recovered from a, a chronic illness that is a lifelong uh, illness or a disease that, you know, maybe they don't have the cure for. I'm not saying that people aren't going to deal with some of those things, but you chose not to be the victim and that helped you to heal better. Exactly. Another chapter that I appreciated, and I'm not going to lie, I actually laughed out loud when I read some of the things that you <laughs> shared in the chapter, uh, The Measure of a Man. So you shared a scenario where you were at, uh, I think you said an upscale restaurant and you watched <laughs> another couple come in and he was kind of down dressed and she was obviously, 
you know, she had gotten ready for her date and she was looking nice and mm -hmm. dressed well. And he's just kind of in his baseball cap and whatever. And kind of as an afterthought, he holds the door a little bit until she catches it. And you were giving this young lady some advice. And you said, um, when you walk out to the car, just stand there until he opens the door for you. If he gets in and sits down and you're standing there expectantly, he'll get the message. And then you like give a few more examples and then, you know, how to explain it to him that if he wants to be, you know, part of your life, he's going to have to up his game. And I loved the last little thing you said. Otherwise, tell him you have an Uber app on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're the kind of person who sees a man and a woman walking down the sidewalk and she's on the outside and you want to write him a little note and stick it in his pocket and tell him why he should be walking on the outside, don't you? Yes, yes, ma'am. You know, the art of being a gentleman is being lost. I'll just say, girls, you don't have to put up with that. You really don't have to put up this foolishness. Right. I think that this whole dating thing is different now. And I think just the way that men and women interact, and we'll just look at it from a perspective of how we're going to raise our children to be. And so I find this as I am raising my own two sons and my daughters. My daughters are very strong uh, women, very independent, mm -hmm. but they are also feminine in their, in their own ways. And then my sons, I think, they are gentlemen, but there are some areas where I feel like they are a little confused. And I think that it is a confusing time for young men and young women. Do I hold the door? Because I know people have told me that they've held the door open for a woman and got their head bit off. And I mean, it's hard to find that balance. Like I want my children to learn that if you're out on a date with a girl, yes, hold the door open for her, make her feel like, you know, a princess. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I hold the door open for someone. I, if I'm walking into the store and I see a couple of people walking in behind me, I'll hold the door open for them. And I think it's confusing for young men. They don't know if they're supposed to do these things or not. And I think women don't really know if they're supposed to want young men to do these things or not. It is a confusing time, isn't it, Rebecca? It's a very confusing time for our, for our children. And I think all we can do is raise, raise them with good standards and good, good morals, and, and they'll figure it out. They'll figure right. it out. I think that the thing to remember if you're a mother raising boys is that you're raising little men. There's one thing that is almost universal with a man, and that's the need for respect. I knew that you were going to say that. That's exactly what was going through my mind when you said that. Respect is love to men. Exactly. So if you're, a if you're a mother, a couple of things. If you're a mother, you need to treat him with respect. You're, you are in charge. Don't let him get that on you, right? right. You need to stand your ground in him respecting you. Mm-hmm. No, my children could do a lot of things, but disrespect their mother was not one of them. Mm, my husband's the same like I had a, my, my oldest, when he was that teenage getting in where he was strong, he was getting strong enough where he could hurt his mother. And he got defiant with her while I was away on a business trip. He got defiant and it scared her. And I literally set him that down and said, young man, if you want to live in this home, you can't act that way. I've got to know, and this is where a father really can come in to help. Just set that 
that there's some, there's some things that set in stone you're not going to violate. And you are not going to re- disrespect your mother. You're going to respect your mother. You're going to respect people. You're going to respect life. You know, it's, it's like the roly, you know what a roly-poly bug is, Re- Rebecca? Mm-hmm. The little bug that rolls up in a little ball. Well, kids like to f- get those and put them on the sidewalk and step on them. I taught my children not to step on roly-poly bugs. I do think that parents uh, often get blamed for things, sometimes unduly, whenever parents are doing everything they can. And it's, it's a struggle to be a parent <laughs> these days. But I think sometimes parents do get the blame uh, for children who just never find their way. They do. And you're, you know, you're right. Parents can do certain things and some things they can't. In the end, a child is going to make his own decisions. Right. We've had, we have three very, very different kids. Right. We have one that had a hard time getting, getting there, mm-hmm. harder time than the others. But th- you can't blame yourself for everything that your children do. Because autonomy. I mean, they, they had, they're these little sovereign beings running, running around out there, right? Mm-hmm. But we can be in our children's lives and we can teach them but they're you know it's called adolescence for a reason (laughs) (laughs) it sure is hard on on the parents i can tell you that yeah it is and it it's harder today than we were raising our kids and you know and the internet stands ready to help (laughs) yes help it does i'm telling you We've struggled with that whole internet thing to the point where I've written several articles because like you, I've learned a lot about it the hard way. Yes, I agree. Parents who teach their children respect, it is very beneficial. I did want to just leave that little bit of wiggle room for those parents who've done everything and their child still makes these choices because I I do believe it happens. Um, I've seen it happen. I've experienced it or sometimes, you know, when one of my kids does something, I have six children, by the way. And so I raise them all pretty much the same way. Not exactly, but, you know, and I think I have mellowed out. My oldest is 27. My youngest is 11. So there's like a pretty big span of time between the first and the last. And so the way I raised my youngest daughter who is the the youngest in the family is not the way I raised my oldest daughter. I think a lot of times my older kids look at my younger ones and they're like, you don't know what it, it used to be like. Mom <laughs> used to not be that nice. She was a lot stricter with us. And it's true. You know, my heart goes out to firstborn children because we're practicing on them. Right? I know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. You just, you mellow out as you get older. And I don't know which is better, the early me or the the later me, but somehow they're all turning out to be pretty decent people. So, well, Let's you hope. know, Rebecca, I decided, we all have ideas what our kids are going to be. Mm-hmm. And I decided quite a while back that if I just, my children grow up to be good people and they grow up to be thoughtful and kind and respectful of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of the rest of the stuff is just noise. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What, what they choose to do in life, whether uh, yeah. they walk it out easy or walk it out difficult. You know, sometimes people go through hard times because they have a great purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and the purpose that that whole chapter you talk about transformation in the storm, that chapter, it's one of my favorite chapters. 
sometimes our children go through particularly difficult times because they have a higher calling and that those difficult times are how they become equipped and how they become the person they need to be. So if your kids are having trouble, you know, we, we just need to relax a little bit and understand we're not going to go fix them, right? They, they have to figure it out on, as, on their own. There's so much they, only so much they think we can give them. Well, that gives me hope. It definitely, it gets more difficult, I think, you know, when we have these expectations and you, you know, mentioned about, you know, what their career path is going to be and this and that. And I, you know, I, I did put a lot of pressure on some of my children because I had expectations and, you know, like you're saying, you know, each one grows up and they have to kind of make their own path. And it's just, I guess, part of learning. And that's part of being a parent and child kind of team is you're learning together. You know, like you said, we're not perfect, but expectations are really killer in all relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's marriage or parent child, you know, sometimes we put these other expectations on them that are belonging to us and it it can definitely cause some friction. (laughs) So let's, if I can just define a couple of roles here as I see them, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. It's not my job as a father to decide what my child is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's his job. That's his right, his role. My job as a parent is to give him the skills, the life skills he needs so he can go be whatever it is he decides he wants to be. <clears throat> and if we, if we, we can do that, then we're, we have succeeded. Just because they stumble and make mistakes and do crazy things, You know, who among us hasn't? Give them the skills and sit back and just marvel and see how they work it out. They'll work it out. They will. That's good advice. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom with us. I think it's, it's a great book and I love your patriotism. And like you said, Uh, boys understand respect. And I know once I actually learned to talk to my sons, using respect instead of love because the gushy love isn't necessarily their language. When you say, I respect your feelings on that. Um, and I want you to respect my stance on this. Once you start using those respect words with your sons, it opens up their, it's almost like their ears are opened, right? (laughs) They suddenly, Oh, mom's speaking my language. I get what she's talking about now. So let me give you a good respect word. Okay. Help me understand what you're thinking. That's good. Help me understand what you're doing. Help me understand. Mm. Help me understand. That is so good. That's so good. Help me understand. I love it. I'm definitely going to keep that one in my toolbox. Thank you so much, Gary, for being here. I will make sure to link your book in the show notes and your website so that you said people can download a PDF. Rethinkingfatherhood.com. Go there and we'll send you all kind of good stuff. So just sign up there and we'll get the, all the goods that go along with the book. Yes, ma'am. All right. Perfect. Thanks again for being here. You're very welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero-waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.